everyone. Welcome to This is Row, the podcast where we share stories and perspectives on figuring out life. On this show, I'll be sitting down with my friends and chatting about how their life stories have prepared them for who they are today. So check back every Wednesday for new episodes and slide in my DMs if you have any thoughts or questions because I'm always interested in hearing from you. On this week's agenda, we'll be chatting with yours truly, Ro, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be telling you where I'm from. Um, The question that daunts me, and I'm sure any other third culture kid or foreigner, is being able to answer that question that makes the most sense. In this episode, this one is going to make the most sense to me because I'll be able to share with you every highlight that has made me who I am and brought me to the point that we are at today. So hold on, it's gonna take a minute, but I promise you, I think it's gonna be good. I'm gonna take you back though, to the beginning, so you get the most content and context to the entire journey. My name is Rochelle. In English, you say Rochelle. I was actually named after a place in France called La Rochelle. And my American friends, they call me Ro. My Dutch friends call me Roche. And my international friends, they go with Roche. I was born in a town called Santfort. It's west of Amsterdam. It's by the beach. It's really, really adorable. For the first six years of my life, I lived a very Dutch life. I had a very Dutch accent. We did all the Dutch things. Both my parents worked. Uh, I lived a street over from my grandparents, who are around a lot, my Dutch grandparents. I have an older brother. He's about four years older, so he was a little bit more independent than I was. But I did it all, like the ballet, the playing at someone's house, all of that. And when I was six that summer... My parents sat us down and let us know that my dad got a promotion and we will be relocating to Singapore. For those who are unsure about where Singapore is, it's attached to Malaysia. It's in Southeast Asia. It is typically a hub where you kind of just transfer to either go to like Thailand or something. It has a crazy airport and I definitely think it's like worth seeing. So in the summer of uh, 97, we decided to pack up our shit and leave. I will definitely get into more of this whole transition and move and what that looks like later because there's so much to it that's really relevant to the purpose of this entire podcast. So I arrived in Singapore. It's my birthday in the summer. So I turned seven in this new house and preparing to just get ready for the new school year. Fortunately, as an expat, you have some options. So luckily, we were fortunate enough to have a Dutch school, the Hollandse School, HSL, that we could attend. And that really is just in case you leave within like the two year span and you have to like go back to Holland, like you're still in the same curriculum. So you're not really missing out on having to like transfer credits or like anything like that. So I was there for about five years. There's just one particular memory that's kind of wild. And I remember specifically there was a class we had to go to. It was called English. We had an English teacher who was British. So she wasn't bilingual by any means. 
And I remember I sat in class. It was so naive, seven-year-old me. I sat in class. And I was like, wow, I see her mouth moving and I hear the sounds coming out of her mouth. But like, I don't know what she's saying. <laughs> and everyone knew what they were doing, what they were saying and what she was saying. And I just followed. So by seven, you are already being taught a second language, which I think is really great. After grade six, if your parents contract at the company, whoever like Philips, Mobile, in my case, it was like KLM, uh, if they don't send you back home or to another country, enter into an international school. I, crazy enough, was smart enough um, to enter uh, United World College of Southeast Asia, UWCSEA. When I tell you it is the most important and amazing pivotal time in my upbringing, I can't imagine my life and me and my personality being any different than the way it turned out because I went to that school. And I'll get into that more in another episode. I just want to say that some of the most amazing people who I still talk to today are from that era. And every time I speak to them, that's a really big part of myself that I consider home. It's this place in our heart and in our memory where we know that we don't have to give extra context in what we're saying or how we're thinking or how we end up living our lives because that's just all we know as being third cultured. Attended United World College for about four years, grade seven to 10. We all came to school together and like you all hang out, but there's all these events that you do leading up to the first day of class and they force you to have, they have a buddy system and they force you to separate because they don't want, you know, like the Indians to stay together, the Koreans to stay together. They want everyone to blend. So you feel empowered to talk to anyone other than that of like your own culture and country, which I think was fantastic because at one way or another, you find each other back, but you know, specifically when you're new, I think that's really important. You get to mingle, you're blended. Um, most classes, like we didn't even have like a Dutch kid in there. And then we would like reunite when we had Dutch for native speakers. So after Singapore, I ended up graduating high school in the Philippines. And United World College is a British system. And the school I attended in the Philippines was the American system. And this is where the American accent comes from. I wouldn't say that I had like a really British accent, but it was a little bit like more of a European accent, if anything. And now it's just very American. Who knew that I would set myself up for so much success for later? So I was in the Philippines, American system, a really different school, not one that I'm particularly proud of, but I will say... To have the experience to live in the country where my mother is from and to be introduced to more of like a local life was very impactful just as much as being in Singapore. And like living in Singapore, it's only like a three plus hour flight going to the Philippines. So I was in the Philippines very frequently, a little too often for my liking at the time, but I had a lot of cousins. My mom is one out of 10. I have 31st cousins. So Christmas and New Year's and birthdays, they were like never boring, ever, ever, ever. And I have some of like mo one of the most amazing memories of having such a large family. And for anyone who's like Spanish or Filipino or Hispanic, like family is, or the even the Indian, like so many people who are 
those cultures who are very family oriented. It's like your cousins are your siblings and it's just really warm and it's a fun, fun way to grow up. So living there for a couple of years really helped me understand the life that others around you are living and the privilege that you have. That really inspired me to want to at least find a way to help, I guess, the less fortunate. So when I did like um, extracurricular activities um, in Singapore and in the Philippines, it would always be for people who are in need. Right. Whether it was like elderly in Singapore or it was the street kids in the Philippines, you can live in the most luxurious places. But the reality of of the country is what it is. And that's really hard to avoid. It's where I got the taste for photography the first time. I wasn't very good at it. By any means, am I the best photographer out there? But it really started sparking this idea of like people have so many stories to tell and they don't have either the opportunity or, or, or means to even share that story and people deserve to know about them and they should know about them. So once I graduated, I moved back to my passport country to be able to go to college. It took me a little bit to realize where I had to go and what I should be doing and what I should be majoring in. So with a lot of consideration and searching, I managed to get myself accepted into art school. That was on the other side of the country, which is bordering to Germany. So like the culture there is really different. The types of people there are really different. And um, I had a really hard time having to integrate again. So a year before I integrated back into my own culture, even though I hadn't been there for 12 years. And then I had to reintegrate again. And then it got really confusing about like, where are you from? I'm from, I'm from Sanford, but I actually didn't grow up there. But before here, I was, you know, just recently in the Philippines. But like, it's so confusing, right? And I thought that art school was going to be my place to just be me and be an artist and just tell those stories, the stories that I've seen, the stories that I've collected on my own. And I always thought I was going to be a designer, to like work with nonprofits. Then I was like, I don't know if I could be a documentarist because I don't know if I could do filmmaking. And funny thing, it skipped a generation, but my father's side, his dad and brother and their dad were in the photography business, like way back when photographs were still like developed on glass, very long time ago, 1800s, early 1900s, around that time. I ended up specializing in photography. Then I was like, I'm going to be a documentary photographer. Still is a dream. That's maybe for another day. So that is where I really cultivated the skill, the passion, the interest, and like the need for that to be my identity. Then if I had to pick an identity, it would have been an artist. I had a really interesting time. Uh, it took a lot of self-exploration, acceptance, um, healing, and discovery to get to a place of, of how I ended up graduating was I created a whole body of work throughout the four years that I was there of uh, photographs of the places I used to live at. 
So it was a very international thing that I did. I was fortunate enough to be invited to a group show after I graduated, W139. It's an artist-run space. It's very awesome. It's next door to the infamous condom shop in Amsterdam Central. Like, if you know, you know. I was really excited to think that my dream of being a full-time artist was coming true. But I think the universe had other things in store for me because that dream ended right there. And that was pretty much the last time I've, I, I'd ever exhibited in real life. By the end of that year, my parents, who were very corporate and just no one has ever been to art school before <laughs> other than I have. So they said, listen, you've always worked while you were in college. Like, why don't you move back home? And while you figure it out, let's get you a job. I have a Dutch cousin and he worked at Holland Casino, which is a government owned casino, side note. And it was across the street from my apartment or my parents' apartment. And they said, you know, like they're looking to expand the team. And I think this is a great time for you to apply. So I moved back home. I started working at the casino. And what's so fantastic about working, not just for the casino, but working in the Netherlands, is you get six-week paid vacation. So to me, it was an opportunity to blend my being as an artist and my ambition to develop my corporate self. And the times that I would have off, I would spend traveling and taking pictures and, you know, becoming a full-time artist that way. (laughs) So you fast forward three years, I, like any other person, goes to an urban art festival, meets a guy while I'm heartbroken, by the way, and that guy happened to be an artist at that festival. And, uh, That's kind of how any love story begins. (laughs) Boy meets girl at Urban Art Festival. Um, He was on his first day of like a month European trip as, um, as an artist traveling through like the European festival scene. And I managed to like a psycho meet him in a couple of places. And the last places I met him was London. And I had to fly home domestically to Holland and he had to fly back to New York and I left my heart in London with him and then you know now we're um, almost married five years (laughs) so all of that to say I moved to New York I have a husband and recently 2022 actually I changed my life yet again and pursued life coaching the dream to be a full-time creator and entrepreneur and that is one of the main reasons why this podcast is here today in creation because it's another creative way to express myself the message that I have and the stories that I think are kind of funny and interesting and have perspective and have a bit of intersectionality and culture all wrapped into one. I am really excited to be telling you more on each point of my life and how that transpires into what it is that I'm hoping to achieve. But there's no way for us to know until the stories come out. So with with all of that, I want to say I'm really happy to be introducing all the various facets to my personality and to my life and sharing them with all of you. Until next time, this is Ro. 
I really want to thank you for tuning in, for staying tuned, um, for, for more stories and experiences. So if you want to do that, please subscribe, rate, and review. And up next, there's going to be an episode on what is analog photography and who is Master Row. Until then, I'll see you.